0: It's time for Talking Tauntauns, your Star Wars source at AIPTComics.com.
1: Hey, what's up everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Talking Tauntauns, the official Star Wars podcast for AIPTComics.com. I am JJ Travers, and I'm joined, as always, by Jim Lahane. And normally, this is where I say Nicole Hervey, but uh, Nicole's got some stuff going on. Uh, in real life. We miss her a lot. We wish she could be here tonight, but she can't. We've all had a lot of stuff going on. We're really sorry we uh, didn't have an episode last week, but um, as you know if you're a regular l- listener, I have bought a house, gotten married uh, in the last two months. Jim has torn his
0: entire house apart to install. my Yeah, my house, my, my <laughs> desk was covered in a plastic sheet last week, Yeah, <laughs> so I actually couldn't get to my desk between Sunday and Thursday.
1: And he just oh, sent wow. Nicole and I uh, pictures of backhoes in his yard tearing it up, uh, and I think Nicole's in a wedding like four weeks in a row. So I went and I I got the us longest wedding. I got <laughs> us a uh, yeah a great guest chair. Uh, so joining us today is Mister Alex Harris, who I've known for God. How long has it been now, Alex?
2: Uh, when did I come to Kingston? Probably like. 2007 2008
1: something like yeah, that wow so alex and i uh both worked at a new england comic book slash record store chain together called newberry comics uh and became buddies through that and we've sta- stayed in touch over the years um and alex has always had like myself a huge affinity for film and comics um and he got hooked up with AIPT through that, and now he is the new uh, head host for our movies podcast. And you've been doing that, what, like just over a month now?
2: Uh, yep. We just, uh, the sixth episode came out today. That's awesome.
0: Six in a month? Oh.
2: So uh, yeah, I guess it was yeah. some point in August built that up it started. To that. <laughs> So a little over a month, I guess.
1: Yeah. So uh, Alex and I... As I said, we've been friends for a long time. Um, We needed someone for this episode um, because Nicole, as I said, is in like every wedding on the East East Coast um, for the last two months, I think. Uh, And Alex is a huge movie buff. I think he, uh, besides like one of my buddies, knows more about and enjoys film more than most people I know. Uh, He's not... A, a diehard Star Wars fan like Nicole Gemini, uh, which is actually perfect, though, because we get the perspective for one of our film episodes here. If, again, if you're a regular listener, you know that we've been doing the Skywalker Saga every five weeks or so. Uh, so we're getting the perspective of someone who's a huge movie buff, uh, but not necessarily the biggest Star Wars fan, which should be interesting uh, conversation today. Uh, yeah, so I don't think I even started with that. We're talking about Star Wars A New Hope today, where it all started.
0: No, my father didn't fight in the wars, he was a navigator on a spice freighter. That's what your uncle told you. He didn't hold with your father's ideals, thought he should have stayed here and not gotten involved.
2: You fought in the Clone Wars?
0: Yes. I was once a Jedi Knight, the same as your father. I wish I'd known him. He was the best star pilot in the galaxy, and a cunning warrior, and he was a good friend. I hear that's one of the more important of the movies.
2: I that's the impression I'm getting from watching it. I've never seen any of the others. Oh, that's good. That's out. good. No, they, I'm just
0: kidding. They, there's been more than just the one.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it was weird watching it again because I I haven't watched it in in some time. And it it's funny the stuff that you take for granted about how influential it was just on movies in general. Like I I I feel like it was kind of like the first like prestige B movie with, like, really great design and and uh, music and everything. It, I feel like it really was, like, an, a very influential movie, not just in terms of, like, space operas.
1: Yeah, I mean, as far as, like, concept films, I think this was, like, maybe besides a space odyssey, like, the first... And, and this is different, too, because this is fantasy, right? Um this was, like, the first truly great concept film that, intro- that like, had such a heavily influence on, like, Aliens, Blade Runner, um, like, Lord of the Rings. Star Trek. Star Trek. Like, so yeah. much out there drew influence from this. And not just, like, world building, but scoring a film. Obviously, special effects. Like, ILM is legendary. Um... And, like, so many people associate it with Star Wars, but I I don't think people realize that ILM is responsible for, like, some of the highest grossing films ever for the last, like, 40-plus years. Like, countless films they've been hired to work on because of what George Lucas created.
0: Yeah. Well, I think we, as a a paleontologist, cuts to my bone is that uh, Jurassic Park wouldn't be possible without uh, Star Wars because how much in Jurassic Park is the same you have john williams you have ilm you have all the model makers with the 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 uh, dinosaurs there so it it is a a clone of it and it's what made the um prequels possible yeah
2: yeah and i feel like its tone too is very like influential on like the marvel universe too i'd say where it's like that kind of action adventure tone where something bad will happen but they kind of just kind of Manage to go through it like like they don't get the whole movie dragged down into darkness because Leia's planet is dist- blown up. They're just kind of like, oh, that sucks, and then <laughs> and then they kind of like find other adventures to go on. But uh, I I I was really that was one of the things I noticed most this time was uh, how how much the tone of that movie probably influenced so many of the movies we see now.
1: It's it's a very like simple. Th- set of themes, right? Like there's good versus evil, there's the young inexperienced male character realizing his destiny um and training, you know, th- throughout the the story in this case a trilogy to like attain uh enough power and knowledge and skill to take on the big bad evil that's like looming throughout each act. Uh, And then you have like the romance, uh, the supporting characters, like with the comedy relief with the droids, like there's so many very basic concepts here, but they're just so I don't I don't like the word perfect, um, but they're just executed in such a, a way that like synchronizes so well with each other theme and each act that it tells such a great story that so many people were like, oh, I can latch onto this.
2: Yeah,
0: it, it's very accessible. It, 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 he sh- Lucas streamlined a lot of the storytelling elements so that like yes, he would build on them later, but here you're right, you have the villain. Who's the bad guy? He's the one dressed all in black. Like you don't <laughs> see his face. You see all the all his um his associates are all dressed in white. You don't see their <laughs> his face. Associates. Anybody you see his their face there, anybody you see their face is almost a good guy, except for Tarkin. Like, it's very clear cut on who you should be rooting for. Who yeah. are who, who? Who's on your team?
2: The bad guys have cool masks, and the rest don't, for the most part. I one thing that was really like it, it was interesting for me because I know that you know one of the things that people say about the sequel trilogy is that they didn't have a plan, and I know that. Lucas didn't quite have a complete plan when he made A New Hope. I know a lot of things changed. And looking back on it, you can definitely tell that he did not plan on Leia and Luke being brother and sister at the time. To my understanding, he didn't. Even, he
0: didn't yeah, he didn't even plan on that after Empire. He, like, right. through and, the writing of Empire Strikes Back and the filming of that, when he, they weren't siblings. And even when there, Yoda goes, there is another, it wasn't
2: Leia. Did he have a plan in mind for who it was going to be? He just no. Interesting. It was just
0: it was just a. Um... Yeah.
2: It was like it was like Ray. She's somebody. No, but uh, and I also thought it was they. You clearly, Darth Vader was not supposed to be Anakin. Also, and um, one thing I thought was really funny watching this one is without the context of the Emperor and the fact that Darth Vader is like his his uh, apprentice. And they mention the Emperor, but otherwise it Mm -hmm. just seems like everyone's having this like giant goth, you know, asthmatic witch walking around with all these other people. And he's just like hanging out with Tarkin all the time. And it seems like Tarkin's the only one who likes him because he's just like hanging out in his office, like holding a chair, just like they're doing nothing together. It's like he walks into Tarkin's <laughs> office and he's like, what's going on? And and like everyone else hates Vader. You could tell they all hate him because th- this dude knows he can kill him with magic. And he talks to him anyway. Like, who, it, 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 I just thought that was a really interesting dynamic watching it back now, because like, what is he doing there? He he, 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 he let, No one seems to listen to him except for stormtroopers. And the only person who seems to believe he has any value is like Tarkin.
0: But, like, you have all the Imperials, like, around the table, right. and Vader's choking them. Mar- uh, <laughs> Tarkin is the only one who's telling Vader what to do.
2: Yeah. And,
0: only yeah, one that he'll like, listen uh, to.
2: Release him. Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I know. He's just, like, his like, in the first movie, it almost seems like he's just, like, Tarkin's, like, bodyguard or something that n- no one else can stand. And, and I just never put that together. And then later, it, you can, like, add the context of he's the emperor's, like, boy, so we don't mess with him. And Tarkin was the only one smart enough to, like, understand that. But as we know, I am i don't think, like, I don't even, I'm assuming, because they say, uh, I'm sorry, I'm probably jumping ahead if you guys have.
1: No, no, please. But, we can, we're going to jump all over the place.
2: But they say that, uh, that Obi-Wan is, like, all that's left of, of the... The Jedi, but there's no except that other guy, right? Except that other guy, (laughs) and there's no mention of Sith yet. Obviously, well,
1: and and on that point, like a young Jedi named Darth Vader. At that point, Darth was not a Sith title; it was his name. Is
2: exactly yeah. Like he came out, and his his
1: mom was like, "I'm gonna call you
0: Darth Vader."
2: (laughs) Right, right. Well,
0: Obi Wan's like, "It's been a long time, Darth." It's like, (laughs) "Yo, dude." well yeah he doesn't call here him you animal. go by ben
2: now <laughs> right which is an, that that's a whole other thing i always like the idea that that luke was like maybe obi-wan is old ben kenobi instead of thinking i wonder if obi-wan is related to that ben kenobi guy like he doesn't assume that maybe there could be multiple people with the same last name but but yeah like at the time i'm assuming the emperor wasn't supposed to be a sith lord so it it definitely wasn't like i wonder what Lucas's plans were for the Emperor at the time or if he was just like a indiscriminate you know boss of Tarkin that he could use in future movies if need be
1: and the other thing was like he didn't even know if there was going to be
2: that a a future movie Like, like how could he possibly imagine that he'd get to make so many of these I'm sure he had no idea
1: yeah like how like who who imagines that they're going to create what is possibly like the most influential film <laughs> right. of all time uh and spawn like one of the largest and most popular and like culturally influential and beloved franchises of all time like the like what so what i love so much about this is like it's so easy to go in and look at, like, where, like, you just laid out, like, six examples of where he didn't have <laughs> any plans. But it's yeah. also so cool to go and look at, like, despite that, like, all the amazing world building that he did. Yeah. Like, all like because he did such good world building, I feel like him and the other creators in this franchise were able to take these characters in these locations and use these threads to create all these other stories like if you if you look at it like it so much about watching this and i feel like so much about what sucked me in as as a kid is like it made it feel like this wasn't the future it it was and it was never supposed to be the future lucas was always adamant about that it was supposed to be fantasy it's a galaxy far far away And, like, the countless alien creatures, the attention to detail with that on, like, Tatooine and Mos Eisley, like, the different amount of droids, the practical effects, the different ships, the languages. And in the first, like, ten minutes, not even, you have, uh, like, clearly these two factions, when Vader and, like, the Stormtroopers come in, the Imperial Senate is mentioned, the Rebel Alliance, uh, the Jedi are mentioned, like... Plan like there's all this stuff crammed in and you want to know about all of it and like he didn't have plans for any of that <sighs> but it was all there and so later on when they were like oh we can actually like build on top of this world he had all these threads prepared whether he planned it or not because his world building was so well done
0: yeah he would name drop the weirdest things and you could tell like if you just watch this movie in a vacuum which, that's what it was released in. It was released in a vacuum. This is it. And the Spice Mines of Kessel. What are those? I don't know. It sounds cool. Uh, the Clone Wars. That sounds ominous. Yeah. What, what does that involve? Well, clearly involves clones. Um, but that's about it. No, like We literally know nothing about that. We have the Jedi Knights so for thousands of generations. And all, all those... Like, there's so much that he just threw out there that literally means nothing. And they've built on that, like, for 40 years now. We've been building on, like, things that he's thrown out there in that movie. And you were, you were talking about plans for a sequel. I find it interesting. Like, one of the, the tidbits that came out is that the novelization of this, um, A New Hope, was written by Alan Dean Foster uh, under the pseudonym of George Lucas as, as the author, Alan Dean Foster was also um, paid to write the sequel, and the the sequel, is Splinter and a Splinter of a Mind's Eye, and that book was written as if it could be made into a movie. And so, if the, the this Star Wars was not a huge blockbuster, but on a mildly success success, they were going to make Splinter of a Mind's Eye into the movie. And so, there are specific criteria that Alan Dean Foster was told to put in there. Han Solo's not in the book because um, Harrison Ford was not signed on for the next movie at that point when he wrote it. It's also on one planet, a fog enshrouded planet, um, Mimban, which we see again in Solo. Actually, Um, they actually go to Mimban. It's like very limited number of cast members, and it's really interesting when you think that this is what it could have, the next movie could have been.
2: Yeah.
1: I mean, what if Han Solo? What if Harrison Ford hadn't have signed on to do more films?
0: Like, his career would have ended. <laughs>
2: <laughs> wasn't it almost uh, Robert England as as Han Solo? Didn't I, I didn't I read that somewhere? Wasn't wasn't uh, Harrison Ford kind of like a like black horse? can like a a I'm random sure.
1: grab, Jim? That's a, something I would expect you to know.
0: Uh, that I don't know. I know he was a carpenter. Um, George Lucas really did not want Harrison Ford in the movie because he was in American Graffiti. He did not want the same actors in both movies. And yeah, there's, so. There's no influence perp- from that film on his work. Well, he purposely tried to avoid having Harrison Ford in there. Um, but, oh, I forget. They were doing a casting call, and Harrison Ford just happened to be there. I put it in quotes because I, I think he was asked to be there to be doing carpentry on uh, the door at, at the time because he was a carpenter. And um, he had to stand in and read the lines. And that is essentially how he got the part because he was the best person for that role.
2: Right. I but I don't I remember
0: who else. I know a bunch of people. I feel like Tom Selleck uh, was <laughs> up for like one of the major uh, He's always going after role.
2: Harrison's parts. Because he was, uh, he was one of. The, I think he was the original choice for Indy, too, because there's a uh, production artwork with uh, Tom Selleck as Indiana Jones.
1: Instead, he decided to make Mr. Baseball and <laughs> Quigley Down Under. <laughs> Thank <the> God! <laughs> yeah. I mean,
2: as long as at least the integrity of those series are uh, intact. Yeah,
1: <laughs> and Magnum PI. That's right. That's about all I've got. I've run out of Tom Selleck movies. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean. It's just, it's, you, you never could have anticipated what was going to come from all of this. But as I said, what I love so much about it is because his world building was like second to none. It was so easy to make comics and books and films. And 40 years later, the, you know, the comic writers of today and the the book writers get to go back and watch these films, it'd be like, huh, did anybody ever do anything with, like, that weird-looking alien dude over there? <laughs> or, like, you know, that person who was in a scene for, like, ten seconds, not even, but is interesting? Yeah. No? Like, great, I'm gonna go back and do something, like, w- with that. If you look at the uh, still of, like, the different uh, characters in the Moss um bar... Um,
0: Cantina?
1: Cantina, what is thank a bar? you bar? Yeah <laughs> um, I think they're Like all of them are identified at this point And there's just like countless stories Whether it's
2: legends or canon now About all of them Because they were also interesting What's the story with the one that looks like a, 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 de- a demon? Like the devil looking dude Oh, uh So Well,
0: the the race is Deveronian
2: Is it the same thing that um, Darth Maul is? Is that a coincidence that they uh, look kind of similar? Different things Two different things. Yeah,
0: he is a Dathomirian... Zabrak. Um, Zabrak, yeah. A yeah. Dathomirian Zabrak.
1: Yeah, so that guy in the bar... Um, the cantina. A, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I don't know what you're <laughs> thank, talking thank about.
0: Thank
2: you. Thank you. What, Just, what's a bar? Keep, keep
0: him on the line.
2: They, I like how the term aunt, as in aunt... Is, is something that was in back there, but they're
1: like, bar? Yeah, no. It's a cantina. It's a cantina. Um, <laughs> All right. But yeah, he's um, like the... that race, that guy, uh, he's in a bunch of stuff uh, and has like a major role in uh, Rebels, Star Wars Rebels, the animated series. No, nope, that's a different guy. Yeah, I'm saying the race. Like, oh, the race, uh, yes. The race. But that character has been used in the comics a lot. And that race of alien as well. Um, So
2: the guy just looked
0: him up. His name is Cardu Malak, also known as Labria.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's cool that that bar, like this, this one throwaway, seemingly throwaway scene in that movie has spawned so much stuff. Like I was watching it and not only is like all the music in that scene, like all bangers, because I mean, it all is. But in addition I never quite realized how much I would happily watch a Cheers-style show just set in the cantina with those characters. And I also love how they found, like, the most miserable-looking dude I've ever seen in my life to be the bartender. Oh, yeah, that that was
1: perfect. That's part of the charm, 100%. (laughs) The bartender that hates you.
2: Yeah, he was just miserable, and he's like lets all this weird, crazy stuff happen in his bar. After the dude's arm gets chopped off, they're just like, "Eh." and they just like go back to business. But then, despite all the crazy stuff he allows in his bar, the second the 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 empire comes in, he just rats everyone out. Just like you'd think he would like try to cover for something if he lets all this crazy (laughs) happen there. I would be. I'm not gonna let any. I would never go to that bar. I'd be like, he doesn't have my back at all. Again, cantina. Sorry.
0: He I I personally now that you may not understand this one, Alex. <laughs> I don't want Ru Ru Ruhur, however you pronounce it, as my bartender. I want B Arthur.
2: Uh oh wait, wait. That makes sense to me somehow and I don't know why.
0: Akmina is the bartender in off hours um from the Star Wars holiday special. In the I same barology Chal- Chal- as a kid. Yeah, we it is did Chalman's a, uh, Cantina.
1: <laughs> we did a- I'm sorry for everyone that's not old like us who doesn't get who <laughs> B. Arthur is. Look it up. It'll be a treat for you. She's but an we- icon.
2: If you don't know who B. Arthur is, you should. Let's just turn oh, it. Let's, let's is- stop talking about the Star Wars and go into Golden Girls i'd like, be fine let's with really that. cover the 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 world building that everyone really cares about
0: <laughs> it is one of the best shows ever to be put on television. It's, it is
2: it's a fantastic show
0: it is awesome
1: um we did an episode on the holiday special and <laughs> i had never seen it and jim had and our former third chair had not seen it and oh my god I got 10 minutes in and I texted him and Connor and I was, I really don't know if I'm going to be able to do this guys. It have, you haven't seen it since keep, you were Keep kid, in mind. Right? I, I have gotten I several,
0: I've gotten several texts from JJ on his homework assignments. Um, <laughs> going i do not know if i'll be able to finish this on many this wasn't the first one or the last this one. was the hardest
1: one by far yeah it won't <laughs> be the last but it was the hardest by far i i challenge you to watch it today alex
2: i i should watch it again i've i've thought about it a few times
1: sit your wife down with you she'll love it It'll oh be a i'm great sure oh she'll experience. have a blast she'll have a blast um i don't i don't know what we're oh yeah okay the bar scene yeah so I, I just want to call it one more character. I don't even remember his name, but I love, love the um, what they pulled from it. But the guy smoking the hookah, who, like, yeah. w- when Han kills Greedo, he just kind of looks over, and he's like, mm, "Hook hookah's more important. <laughs> um, that guy was an assassin. Um, and his race, I forget what his race is called, but basically they drink the soup of other beings. There's pouches in their face, that slide open and these like tentacles come out, go up your nose and they like drink your life force and suck your brain out.
0: Keep in mind that, that is hundred percent legends. They have not carried that over,
1: <laughs> but in legends it's awesome. There's a comic that like heavily featured two of uh, that race, which I can't remember what it is, but there were assassins and it was awesome. And they like really liked, you know, feasting on force users. It was super cool.
2: So the place really was worth full of scum and villainy.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And set.
2: Also, speaking of the bar scene, I just want to say something that even as a child always drove me crazy. The fact that the arm is bloody and not cauterized.
0: It's also different than his arm.
2: That too. Like, was was that an insert shot or something? Or or, or did they just want to throw some blood into it?
0: Yeah, because he has flipper hands,
2: right? But
0: the yeah, arm oh that's yeah, cut off is like a wolf hand. Yeah, yeah.
1: Well, and he's already like those... surgically modified himself because he's like a he's like a crazed doctor who used to be like a celebrated surgeon. That's why okay. he's all like crazy looking. But as Jim said, his like genetic modifications gave him flippers, not like Chewbacca well,
0: hands. No, you're mixing up. Dr. Evazan oh, is the yeah, one with I'm the sorry. messed up head. Yeah, I'm, I'm Panda Baba is the one who gets his arm <laughs> cut off.
2: But yeah, that that always drove me crazy. Is, do, do we not know, like, was that just like a last minute addition? Like, we got it, we got it. Hey, like, did they have a second unit director who was like, oh, we just need a, a shot of an arm. And they just I'm took sure like a random Chewbacca arm and put them blood on it. And, and George Lucas was like, oh, it's too late to redo it. Like, that always bugged me.
1: Somewhere out there, there's Star Wars nerds that are way more knowledgeable than Jim and I. That could probably <laughs> tell you, but they're not on this podcast.
2: All right, all right. Just curious.
0: <laughs> so the answer is, it was magic.
2: Oh, uh, okay.
1: All right. Oh, I was like, does he actually know? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> it was Jedi. It was uh... Jedi magic. He
2: made it bleed.
0: Well, I think it, I think the cauterization thing didn't come up because no lightsaber wounds. That's the only lightsaber wound in this. Because when Obi-Wan gets struck down, he doesn't even get hit with the lightsaber. They just hit uh, a piece of cloth with a stick. And so he probably didn't even think about it. And then later is like, you know, if I was to hit somebody with the lightsaber, probably would have cauterized the wound, which would save us on that PG-13 rating.
2: I'm just kind of surprised cuz they thought of so many stu- so many things while they were doing this. Like you said, like the world building was in- insane and they thought of so many incredible things. I'm just surprised that of all the brilliant people involved in that movie, they weren't like a lightsaber would probably cauterize every wound. But Yeah,
1: it is it is weird and it's especially weird when you think about um when they went back and changed stuff. I wanted to ask you guys
0: about this because Oh we've reached my most hated edition to the movie's <laughs> ever right. yeah i
2: had to wa- i watched it on disney plus so i had to watch the uh, new version
1: yes so i i remember when these you were watched re-released. the more clunky version um was <laughs> a bummer i still have my 1997 special edition vhs 20th anniversary um with with like the the changes and everything um but yeah, they so George Lucas went back and added and changed a number of things, but left the <laughs> left the hand, which yeah. is so weird. So as as a lot of people know, um there was a number of things they changed. They added a bunch of creatures walking around, um, like just drinking water and being ridden by Jawas and being like startled by the land speeder, there was some droids floating around um, there was just some general like everyday life of most Eisley scenes added to like add to the immersion, but like I have always but, maintained. Wait, wait, wait. That... oh good.
0: One of my favorite removals from the movie because it does not make sense to me was he removed the Wolfman guy, the the oh, yes. Um, in the original movies, they had a guy who just had a Wolfman mask. And they took him out of the special editions. It's like one of those, this was bothering
2: you questions? <laughs> I don't yeah, know. The-, the fact that there's a wolf man in this place just completely ruins the illusion for me. Yeah, it's funny.
1: <laughs> He's another character that like, the comic writers resurrected. Um, but it's just so weird. The Dubaks and like the stormtroopers and the droid. And then the other thing that they included that drives me nuts to this day is Jabba. Like, I know. I that's hate it.
0: that. That's my most hated scene ever. I hate it. And, and not even like, the whole thing.
2: He looks like Peter there's, Griffin. Like, it's all I can one think. part of it. <laughs> <He> really does.
0: <laughs> there's one part of it that drives me batty. You know what it is Jabba? When he I, steps on Jabba. When Han Solo see- walks around the back of him, he steps on him. Can you Im- imagine any gangster where your paid underling steps on you and not immediately having him murdered?
2: Yeah, but Han's so charming. I mean, he, I'd let him step on me. But I was wondering this when I was watching it That's again. a different conversation. <laughs> um I was wondering this when I was watching it, because obviously they shot that scene back when they made the original movie, and then they CGI'd him in and used it for the special edition. And I'm assuming they hadn't designed Jabba yet at that point. No,
0: it was a fat guy in an orange like fuzzy vest suit. You can yes. find it. Actually, it's easy he, to find. Um, yeah, it's very easy to find the the comics. One of the comics at the time actually put that scene in with really? that guy. So
2: he was a before, was he a person before?
0: Yeah, he like was just he was, a, actual... he was
1: supposed to be a person, and then obviously it changed when we got to Return of the Jedi, um, and we saw this and huge, since... you know, worm creature on yeah. the on
0: the the couch. Um, and since he got cut out of the movie, didn't
2: really matter what he had designed yeah. before. It, yeah. But... Like... Such a weird decision to go back and put that in.
1: And, like, they put it in knowing what Jabba looks like in the third one. So it's just like, dude, what happened to you in a couple years? You (laughs) you gained, like, a thousand pounds. What's going on? He got really upset about that Death Star getting blown up. He just didn't take it well. And, like, the thing is, the practical effects plenty of them you can look at and laugh, but like they put together this insanely incredible film on a shoestring budget for what they were trying to build. Oh yeah. But like all, all the same style of practical effects will age together the Mm -hmm. same. Like the palette is the same, but when you put in newer technology with older technology, they're not going to age together. One is going to look so out of place once you're past that technology's prime like once you're five ten years past it the new way to use cgi looks so much better so it looks that much more out of place which to me was like their biggest mistake the lack of foresight there like if you were going to go back and add stuff you should have somehow like used practical effects or not done it at all because Those two technologies side by side now, once we've aged past the most recent one, it looks so much worse than
0: if you had just left it alone. But the funny thing is, is that A New Hope, really the the worst offender of this, it's not only... 1997 digital effects and 1977 practical effects but you also have the blu-ray release and the re-release and so it's become a deck of cards shuffling where they've like job of the hut's been altered like five times since the inclusion in 97 like every every like the the blu-ray and the 4k master they constantly have been tinkering with it but they don't tinker with everything and so some of the effects, like the the speeder going into Moss um it looks horrendous because it, they didn't touch that one since they did it, it uh, was in seventy like seven.
1: They, I believe, they rubbed some stuff on the lens of the camera, so it was just this. No,
0: I'm I'm talking about the digital one, not oh, the. Okay, the, okay, not the orange not the, bar underneath it. Not the orange bar, <laughs> okay. the uh, the Vaseline um, smear. yeah
1: it's it's funny because there are some things uh that they changed that uh i thought looked better and it took them a while to change things that i thought were obvious like for the longest time even as a kid i was like why does obi-wan's lightsaber look like it's just turned off in parts of his duel with with vader like it looks like it's just a stick that has a glowing point at the end you could tell that like for whatever the reason, with the way they did the lightsaber effects, that they scene did. they struggled with, and they went they back then, then. It was effect. cell animation.
2: You literally yeah. and drew on the film, so it was like it was like making an animated movie. of, like like Frame Roger Rabbit, like drawing over the film and putting the lasers in there. But
0: they also had a wooden dowel with like um uh like uh, aluminum foil wrapped around it that rotated and that was a lot of the effect there it was just it was literally a practical effect until they went over on top of it with the digital um even at the digital at the time the cell the cell yeah. animation yeah
1: they, they so they added a glow in 2004 but it wasn't until 2019 that they went back and like fully cleaned up his lightsaber which was so weird to me to like out of all the things that he could have done they left that for so long
2: they had to dedicate the time and resources to putting Jabba in that scene. <laughs> they had to, you know, they had to, they had priorities.
0: But the, uh, the question I is, Jabba is, it, that's,
1: oh, I can't tell if you're frozen, Jim, or waiting. Oh, I think oh, he's right later. Uh His name is Declan uh, Mulholland. That's who played Jabba
0: in the large furry vest. Yes. So, <laughs> poor Declan. We have, yeah, we have the Jabba scene, which is my most heinous scene, but we skipped over the scene that apparently is 90% of the internet's most fam- hated
2: scene. Han shot first.
0: And it's the scene that has been tinkered with the most because every time they work on this film, they change the scene the Han shot first scene.
2: Yeah. Now, isn't or, it now like a simultaneous shot? Isn't that what it is in the current version?
0: After McClunky, which is the newest edition. Um, that's the only, as soon as it was, uh, released onto Disney Plus, for some reason, he now says McClunky. Oh my God. I don't, that, that, that is the most bizarre change ever. <laughs> um, but yes, they, they had originally Han shot first and then they had Greedo shoot first. And, um, in the most bizarre, I missed you from two feet away shot. And now they're nearly simultaneous.
2: Yeah. That's what I noticed. And I'm I, fine with
0: it. It never bothered me, actually.
2: Yeah, I mean, like, I was watching it, and I was like, I don't really understand. Like, I know, like, oh, it's a family thing, blah, blah, he, Like, I know George Lucas got, like, really, like, sweet as he got older. Um, But I was like, this dude's clearly going to kill Han. He's going to kill Han or, like, take him to be killed, for the most part. You know, we don't know he's going to be putting carbonite or any time, and he probably wasn't going to be at the time. So it's like the guy was probably going to kill him. I don't think it's that bad that he shot him first. And and I also thought it was like we, we we're kind of told he's ha- he's hanging out a bar at a bar that's full of scum and villainy. Why should it be a shock that Han Solo isn't like the best dude alive?
1: And he he does go on to show us uh, <laughs> he's not the best dude alive. No, he literally Where's- is like,
2: yeah, I'm missing this for the money deuces and then he shows up at the end but he shows up just in time to get the glory he shows up just in time to like be like you got you oh you did it luke and then he gets a medal
0: it's like literally he hid behind a door and then pushed darth vader off the side because darth vader didn't know he was there (laughs) it's like hey look I got a medal. You didn't even know I was here.
2: And like, how long was he there at the battle? Like, did he just show up or was he like hiding behind something like in the Millennium Falcon? Like, all right, I think this is our chance. This is our chance to just like get in, but be the, be the one of the heroes of the day. Like I liked that. He wasn't really a good guy. That was kind of what made his, his story in the, in the original movies. So
0: he's a rogue.
2: He was the, he, I never liked when he's I was a, a scoundrel, kid, I never liked the good guys. I always thought the good guys were boring, except for Han. him
1: being like this, like, moral, ambiguous, like, scoundrel, yeah. like, kind of like D-bag is what makes him so fun. Like, right. he's he's like the sleazy guy that you don't want around your girlfriend, or you don't want to, <laughs> like, uh, have ask you for a favor, and you're just like, you see him show up somewhere, and you're like, oh, great. Um... <laughs> Yeah, uh, Lucas, like, it got to the point, like, I'm not going to make fun of anyone who, like, nerds out on their fandom because I'm hosting a Star Wars podcast, but, like, (laughs) the people that really took umbrage with this, it got to the point where Lucas issued a statement on it because people were just, like, they couldn't let it go um, because they changed it in 2004, 1997-2004. 2011. It changed three times. And after the third time, people were ready to lose their minds. <laughs> so in 2015, Lucas said, Because I was thinking mytho- uh, mythologically, should he be a cowboy? Should he be John Wayne? And I said, Yeah, he should be John Wayne. And when you're John Wayne, you don't shoot people first, you let them have the first shot. Uh, so, and he, my- and he furthered that by saying it was always his intention to have Greedo shoot first. I don't think it's that big of a deal personally. I'm I'm kind of with Alex. I think it's cool. I like the I like Han more if he
0: shoots first.
2: Yeah. But it's like my, not the end of the world to me as it is to some people, you know? My yeah.
0: favorite thing about Lucas is how he can play the phantom and there is at one point in time I don't remember when it was, but he, there are pictures you can find them on the internet where he is wearing a Han shot first shirt.
2: <laughs> what a troll! That's great. I know. I was just gonna say, what a troll!
0: <laughs> and it's absolutely hilarious because he's the one who changed it, and it's it's one of those you're like, this man's awesome. <laughs>
2: uh, yeah he he gets he gets a bad rap sometimes, but he's he's I mean, where would we be without him?
1: I mean, yeah, I, he's just. Like, there's so many things it's influenced, and um, I do want to talk about another one of those. Um, but before I do, I, w- I I don't want to forget something that I think is super important to mention, uh, and that is the score. Oh, yeah. um, I can see the argument that it's not. I can easily see the argument that it's not the best film of all time. I struggle with people who don't think it's one of the most influential, but. I refuse to believe that there's a film out there that has a better score. I don't think anyone could have. I don't think anyone has ever topped what John Williams did
0: here.
2: Yeah, I was watching it and I was like, I I feel like the score did so much work to legitimize this movie for for audiences who otherwise would have thought it was like a silly, like I was saying, B movie, because now movies like this making like being blockbusters is normal, but it wasn't at the time. But the music is just so strong that I think it did so much work for the movie, just like Williams did with Jaws.
0: Well, you probably know this better than I will, um, Alex. At the time, orchestral scores were not the norm. Like this I don't is... think
2: so. They, they used a lot of uh, like, pre-existing like, music. Like it's then.
0: it's a it's like a nineteen thirties and forties thing to do these big orchestral scores and then it kinda died out when money died out really. Yeah. Um because it cost a lot of money to to have an orchestra and this was something that Lucas went, you know what will really make this? And that guy that did Jaws um probably would be able to come up with a good score yep. and yeah.
2: Yeah, like the, the amount of, the fact that he put all that work into having, he invested in having this great score, which does so much work for the movie, it, it it characterizes so many moments and so many people in the movie, and then all the work they went and they put into designing things, like the the general production design and the special effects, like that, I, I don't know of another movie prior to Star Wars that did all of that, in, at least with this kind of like sci-fi action adventure kind of world at least
0: 2001 is probably going to be your closest yeah analog to that
2: and see like exactly like stuff like that was kind of reserved for like auteurs like like kubrick doing these like weird cerebral type movies When it's like oh okay of course he wants to put a bunch of money into an orchestra and all these crazy designs because it's like a, a thinker movie and it's you know Uh, a cerebral and all this stuff. So for like Lucas to be like, I'm going to take all of that same level of effort and thought and put it into, uh, you know, kind of a remake of the hidden fortress with based around like the typical hero's journey kind of thing. And it's going to be fun for the whole family. I like, I think that that must've been, as far as I know, that was a really novel concept at the time.
0: Especially since you're dealing with an era where all the movies are downers. Platoon, you're dealing with the Vietnam (laughs) War, um, and the Vietnam War is during the time, and so every all the movies are downers. That's true. Godfather, it's all not happy go lucky, and so you get Star Wars, which is like you mentioned a while ago. It's happy go lucky. There is like you are propelled through the movie by these characters that are just like upbeat and happy almost the entire time leia's whole planet blows up and she's there comforting (laughs) luke because he lost the old guy that he met like five minutes before he's like i'm sorry you lost that old guy like that's that that must be rough for you by the way let me meet introduce you to my father oh i (laughs) i have to
1: take a quick (laughs) sidetrack on this because i I have (laughs) more to say about the soundtrack and john williams but so so that makes very little sense Mm-hmm. That she behaved that way, but I also think it's so awesome that she does because it breaks so many stereotypes about how female characters should be portrayed in film, especially during that era and yeah. she's just this like i don't I don't care you blow up my planet I'm still gonna like like rise to the occasion and stick it to you I'm not gonna give up I'm gonna motivate everyone around me. I'm going to do absolutely everything to take these guys down. Like, you blew up my planet. She saved herself. Yeah. Yeah, She
2: was the one who got them out of the detention part. I mean, they ended up in the the trash compactor thing, but she was the one who thought on her feet and got them out of that. And she's just like,
1: (laughs) Han Solo rescues her, and she's just in his face, like, talking down to him immediately. Like she she's such a great character and broke so many stereotypes and the fact that she didn't react how everyone expected her to and it even though it seems like very illogical but like you could also be like that's ptsd that's trauma like who knows like if you just like if every piece of your culture and and your planet <laughs> was just gone in an instant like how would you react like you might just like not be able to process that and stow it away for later so there are ways that you could say like it was logical but either way her reaction to that is perfect and just set the tone for her character for like the rest of the
0: franchise i actually wonder if it was a script writing issue because there is so much going on between the time her planet exploded and the time that she is rescued that i wonder if they just forgot <laughs> that her planet was blown up. <laughs>
2: like, I mean, yeah, that's a, the... film out of order and stuff like that. She might not have even known in a lot of the later scenes that everyone she loves and cares about dies. I, I do think it was kind of accidental, but I agree with you, JJ, that it, it it did. I'm glad she wasn't like a blithering mess, like blubbering around and crying for the rest of the movie because that wouldn't be Leia. And I I love that. But also, yeah, I, 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 there's, the movie is full of these. It's not the only time because like, there's also this whole thing where like, Luke's like, I want to do more. I don't want to be a farmer. And then he, he's like, I don't want to be a Jedi though. I'm not interested in that. And then he goes home and finds the charred bodies of the people who raised him. And he's not even that mad. He's just like, yeah, you know what? I do think I want to be a Jedi now, man. And he's just like, Hanging out and he's pretty cool. He he's so much more upset about Obi-Wan dying than he is about the people who raised him. And I think hey, that's more of those a Those like...
0: charred bodies made this a PG movie. They did. It would I have love been the G. charred bodies. It would have been G if bodies. they were not there. He's like Uncle ah. Owen and Aunt Brew made this a PG movie. Looks
1: well, like I'm I appreciate not gonna be up on the... <laughs> Looks like I won't be on the South Ridge this morning. Looks like there <laughs> won't be <laughs> hell to pay for me, Uncle Owen. I'm off yep. this rock. <laughs> Another
2: thing I was thinking earlier is like when they were doing that movie, they had no idea how annoying the power converter line would be. Like oh. they <laughs> there's if they had any idea when they were writing or filming that scene how like maligned that part would be. They they never would have done. But but, we have
0: to go to Tashi Station and pick up some power power converters. converters.
2: I was gonna go. (laughs) (laughs) It just just works so much against Luke's character. because that's not really what he's like, but that that's just but anyway. But like yeah, he he takes that death, their death, remarkably well. Just like Leia. And and uh and it's, I was thinking, I was like, you know, what if death is different in their universe? You know, because even though people don't like really, like Jedis weren't active at the time, to some extent, the force is known about, even if people don't all believe in it, maybe they don't see death as like the end of everything. And maybe that's why they took it better. I, I, I don't know. And I also yeah. was wondering, and I'm sorry, I'm sidetracking here again, but like, did Lucas have a different plan for what happened to Obi-Wan in that scene? Or was it always a plan that he died? Because it's not very clear. He just kind of, he like looks at Luke and like gives him a wink, like check this out. And then he like disappears. And, and then Darth is like checking the clothes. Like, Oh, is he hiding in here somewhere? It's like like uh, the rabbit was in the hat the whole time. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And so I was wondering, and maybe you guys know this, was it, really supposed to be that he died or did lucas have some other idea like was he supposed to be somewhere else and he was talking to luke after that like through like some sort of psychic link or was it just like he didn't or it really was he was supposed to die and he didn't think of the mechanics of how that seemed kind of odd
0: so i have a side story entirely about this (laughs) all right um, the original Star Wars Trivial Pursuit game. I was playing it with my sister back in the 90s, had to be the 90s. And she had asked me a question is, um, what, uh, what actor, when finding out that his character died two thirds throughout the movie by reading the script, was really upset? And so he, as far as I'm aware, he was always slated to die at least. When Alec Guinness was approached, my father had come in and my father's never been a Star Wars person, but he go, he comes in and he goes, the great Sir Alec Guinness was upset that his character died two thirds of the way through the movie. Oh, he just walked out. But yeah, uh, to answer the question. I don't know, um, but I assume uh, I, I at least up to the point when Alec Guinness was brought into the movie, he was meant to die at that point.
1: Okay. And hey, he was in all three films. It worked out. Yeah, but I thought he didn't like
2: the movies. Did no, he, he think didn't. think they were beneath him?
0: He did not want to be remembered for those oh, movies. Oh, okay.
2: Well, right. sorry, pal. I've got bad news. <laughs> <laughs> like, I know. I, because... I don't even know, remember anything else he did.
0: Well, Bridge on the River Kwai, oh, right, which was right, right. probably the big one, and has been paid an homage that I um, they did in a comic book. It was uh, very well done, actually. Um, and I just watched another movie recently that he he was in, and I'm like, wait, that's o- that's a uh, that's Obi wan <laughs> Obi one
2: was in other movies. That's weird. Yeah,
1: uh, yeah. You're you're remembered for being in one of the most important films in human culture. Bummer. <laughs> what a shame. Um, but before we forget, swinging it back to music, I do want to give uh, John Williams a little more credit here. They did the soundtrack in twelve days with the London Symphony Orchestra, just under two weeks. Created one of the most important scores of all time. It's ranked by the American Film Institute as like the top score of all time. And again, I think that's very fair. Like seeing, seeing Luke looking at the binary sons anyone yeah. hears that music and they instantly just have this like rush of emotion and acknowledge like of nostalgia and you just know what it is and i don't think any any score can elicit so much emotion and nostalgia and recognition in people like this score does and it's just incredible and lucas didn't even want to do an orchestra originally he wanted to take pre-existing orchestra music and piece it in there um and williams was like nah man i know what i'm doing (laughs) clearly he did
2: he did i agree completely it 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 really does like help with a lot of the character development in the movie like you get like like you like you just saying that scene specifically like you get like his longing and and all of that stuff just from the shots of him standing there and that music playing it's um it does a lot for sure
1: um Something that I wanted to talk about, too, that I don't think a lot of folks realize that weren't, um, around when this came out is the influence that, um, this had on toys. Oh, yeah. So, like, toys for movies was not a thing back then like it is now. And this really made it a thing. Uh kenner when they took it on it i I, like obviously didn't understand what was about to happen but it it, you know revolutionized how the toy industry worked with the film industry it just totally changed it it was so insane that they had to basically um give people ious they were like you can (laughs) uh there was such an insane shortage for toys that they basically had in 77 for that year's Christmas, they had people like mail in their money and they mailed back like a reservation. Basically like
0: <sighs> it was the empty box.
1: Yeah. It was like a ticket and it was, I think I have what it was actually called here. Exactly. Well, because
0: they hadn't actually made any toys by that point, and, and it, was a it mail does in take a little while is what
1: they called it. Yeah. Um, But yeah, they basically were like, we don't have enough. Uh, Early bird certificate packages were what it was called. Yes,
0: it wasn't that they didn't have enough. They hadn't made anything by that point. Like nothing, almost nothing came out in 77. Wow. Because they weren't expecting this movie to be a hit.
2: Didn't they also let Lucas take the toy rights because they assumed that he wouldn't become a rich man off of them?
0: He took all of the rights. They the only rights that Fox had were to the movie itself. And that's why the <laughs> before Bunch Disney idiots before wow. Disney bought Fox, <laughs> um A New Hope was the hardest one to re-release because Fox had that locked down and they owned I believe A New Hope in perpetuity. Um I'm not sure about Return of the Jedi and Empire. I think I think those were under different deals, and so they had the the distribution rights for A New Hope, but they had nothing else. And that's where Lucas made all his money was on everything else.
1: He made smart a smart man. Bad. But I, um, yeah, it. Basically, they're basically like uh, in in 1978. At some point, you'll get your toys, but <laughs> it's not happening anytime soon. And the three and a half inch action figures were what was the most popular and for my wedding, my boss, he said he was giving this to me like coincidentally around my wedding, but, um, he's had this forever. It's water damaged on the outside, but I have this Kenner case and inside you can see how it's water damaged. I showed Jim this already, Alex, but I'll show you and talk about it a little bit for our listeners. Uh, inside there's two, um, layers to this and it's the original figures from that and it is like my pride and joy he was like i'm giving this to you because i know what star wars means to you and that you won't sell it and you'll cherish and enjoy it and it's hilarious some of the labels each one of these little compartments has a label and one is like walrus man (laughs) hammerhead because they (laughs) hadn't created like the the lore and the the stories for a lot of these characters it was just like okay People thought this was cool in that scene in Mos Eisley, but we don't know (laughs) who this is
2: yet, so we'll just, like, call him Walrus Man. That's awesome. I think my brother had a similar case, but it was C-3PO.
0: So, an interesting thing about the toys is generally at that time, most of the toys that you would get were much bigger, like the foot um, G.I. Joe toys. The problem was we were in the middle of a war. And so plastic was actually at a shortage, which is the reason that they made the three and three-quarter inch um, action figures because they were much smaller, used a lot less plastic, and so they could actually make them for a lot cheaper. Otherwise, the plastic was so expensive, it would have priced people out of the
2: toys and they couldn't make any money on them. Wow. And then coincidentally, G.I. Joe went to that same size for their toys too. In the 80s. Because... Star Wars toys took off so much that everybody else emulated them. A big part of it, to my understanding, is because then you could sell the vehicles that you could put the figures in, so it was, like, extra stuff for them to sell. Oh, yeah, I had those growing up. I had
1: the Battle Command Center. It was my pride and joy. (laughs) Anyways, uh, yeah. Where are we? We're getting towards that time, but um, before we... One last thing, and, and if you guys have any things you still want to talk about please um but something else that i liked about this that i don't think we talked too much about is how um and a lot of people dislike this nowadays because it's not smart enough but um the storytelling in this they so much of it they like purposely it like they held your hand but it worked if you know what I mean. Like they told you exactly what was happening. Like we mentioned earlier how there was a lot of like name dropping for stuff that Lucas was like, I don't know what that is, but there was also so much of like, um, there's so many like points with dialogue that they like are telling you exactly what's happening. Like one of the big, shoot the stun. Yes. That, (laughs) that is a great example. I have that written down. I also have when the droids escape in the escape pods, and everyone's like, well, there's no way that's going to get away. But then they're like, hold your fire. There's no there's life, no life forms. forms. Yeah.
0: That's my favorite all the parodies pick on that one. They're yeah, like, they hold your fire? What are we running out of lasers? <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> but like it's silly and both of those like Leia murders one of the stormtroopers and they're like, oh, she's all right. They're like <laughs> they don't care about the she guy she just that. killed. Yeah. Um but I I Billy. still feel like the in the overall picture, like it works. It's funny, it and does. you can laugh at it, but you still like it. It works.
2: Yeah, and like they had to get, they had to get C three PO and R two D two off the. Uh, like it, it's it's story, it's storytelling mechanics. They had to get them out of there somehow. And so, what are they going to do? Say say that they shoot at it and they miss, you know, or like have them like be pilots that like manage to evade them. They they had to figure out some way to explain how they escaped. And so the story can keep going. And, and you know, you, sometimes it's just storytelling mechanics. You got to do what you got to do.
0: But the, the storytelling is remarkable, especially in A New Hope, because it brings you to each next segment of the movie and each of its main stars. Um, you have Leia there first. C-3PO and R2 bring you to Leia. And then they bring you to Luke. And then they all go to Obi-Wan and then they all go to Han and then they all go back to Leia. And so then the whole group of them, And so you are literally following along with them. And that was the main reason why the opening, if anybody who's seen the deleted scenes with Luke and um, all his friends at Tashi Station, Cami and Fixer and Biggs, um, that got cut because the studio didn't want to start with um, the space battle scenes, they wanted to start with Luke on the planet. And Luke is just like, yeah, this isn't going to work. Like <laughs> it's, it's, it doesn't follow the flow that I have foreseen in this movie.
2: It, I think it, I think it's, it's a tight, I think it's a good script and I think it flows really well. I, I think the character building, the character development and the story building and, and all that stuff, I think it's really good. And I mean, I mean for the first, like, what is it? Like almost 20 minutes. You're just with droids. Like, at what point does Luke show up? It's, it's, it's like at least like 10 to 12 minutes into the
1: movie. I think it's longer than that. Yeah. It's when they go to uh, buy the droids from the Jawas after they've been captured. And and that's a moment
2: where the, where John Williams is important because they show Luke. And at that point, he's just like a dude, you know, on this planet. And the music tells you he's important. It tells you like, (laughs) just because you haven't met him yet doesn't mean he's not a major character. Yeah,
1: like
0: hey, the music tells attention. you, he's not just yeah. a dude.
2: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> he's he's not just a dude. He's he's an important dude, and and but like even like C three PO and R two D two are well developed. Like early on, you quickly learn that C three PO is the is the stick in the mud, and R two D two is the rebellious droid who. F- <laughs> like you, you can tell that like right away, like he keeps lying to C three PO. Like oh, I don't have it. I don't have the rest of the message. And then he just like. Then he just shows it like it, it is. It is a surprising. I think it's a real. I think it's a very well-written movie. And just because it's like a fun, popcorny movie doesn't mean that it's not well-written.
0: 17 minutes is when Luke comes in.
2: I, I knew it was close to 20.
0: Which, is, yeah, 17 is close to 20. If you <laughs> I, up. I had a feeling that those
2: numbers <laughs> were close. But like. That's impressive. They don't bring in the like the main star of the movie. I mean, you meet Leia already, but like they don't bring in the main star of the movie It's 17 minutes, in, and the movie works. That that's impressive.
1: There's there's so um, much in the opening scene that just. I mean, you got the crawl, which is yep. the most recognizable and unique. And like, we're off the bat. He's like, this is something that uh, is going to be unique to Star Wars. will forever be recognized by it, and everyone will be jealous of. And they have that. <laughs> uh and you know like the unprecedented special effects right off the bat the huge ominous ship which like a triangle in the sky becomes like a source of terror throughout the rest of the films with the star destroyer you have you don't know who the stormtroopers or the rebel troops are but you know the stormtroopers are the bad guys and then vader walks in and doesn't say a word he's just this big bad dude in an outfit but the music the outfit the way the stormtroopers behave around him and the breathing you're immediately like oh this is bad yeah and and then he when he does talk he's scary and he just breaks some dude's neck casually and that's like
2: in the first you know
1: 15 minutes of the film
2: yeah they set up the villains perfectly within the beginning of the movie it's awesome
1: uh yeah man I had so much fun rewatching this. It's been a while and I don't know how many times I've seen it, but I just, it, it's, you know, I'm very biased, but Alex, I don't think you're super biased, but I just, I, yeah. I have so much fun watching this every time. I have
2: to say, I, I typically, when I rewatch the, any of the original movies, I typically watch empire and then return of the Jedi. I it's, this is probably the one I've watched the least. And I, am I was kind of shocked by how much I enjoyed it because it's been so long since I've seen it. It's it's a much better movie than I, I remembered it being.
0: It's really the only movie that stands on its own. Yeah. Like, you don't need the other movies. It was written as a movie to stand on its own and like all the other ones rely on something else whereas this one, you can just show this movie itself to someone and have them walk away fulfilled with the, the movie itself.
2: Yeah, it, it it totally works on its own.
1: All right, um, Alex, Jim, any other talking points you want to hit here before we get out of here?
2: I have two quick questions. Yeah, please. So after they find the Jawa's uh, thing all all scorched and messed up by the by the supposedly super accurate stormtroopers, but I won't get into that because Family Guy beat us. Um, are they burning the Jawa's clothes?
0: They're burning um, the Jawas in the their corpses. Clothes. Yeah, so. okay, okay,
2: well like they are the Jawas just really light cuz like doesn't one of them just like toss like a a robe it's on c- the fire like c- it's c 3 B3PO. He's a droid. Right, so, right. He's right, like, super okay. strong. Cuz that for a second arms. I thought it was just the uh <laughs> I thought it was just the their their robes and I was like did they strip the Jawas?
1: No, no. That's just,
2: just that's just cruel. Okay, that's and It's a then, different movie. All right, <laughs> I was like, I don't remember that part of the movie. And then the other thing I was wondering in the in the garbage disposal set piece where there's the monster that we never fully get to see, it disappears Dianoga. before. What do you know the name? Dianoga. Dianoga. Um, I should have known that you you guys knew the name of it. Uh,
1: well, it, I didn't know, but I knew that Jim knows, and I this happens most episodes, and it still <laughs> makes me laugh every time.
2: Okay, well, since you know the name, maybe you know the answer to this. So it disappeared before the compactor went in. So that means it had some sort of exit. So there was just some sort of weird tentacle monster living in the Death Star?
0: So, yes. Um, <laughs> they. T- uh, the theory is that it's like they brought it on on purpose to eat the trash. Okay. Which that kind of makes sense. I don't know they keep jumping around with why it's on there. And like um, that, that was one of the excuses. And then you get other stories and have other excuses. I don't think they have a a set reason for why it's on there, but um, basically yes, you have a a giant monster that has um, access into and out of the trash compactor. um, So it doesn't get caught up in the thing. My thing is that when everyone is standing in there, the water is barely up to their ankles and yeah. yet, Luke gets pulled under I completely. Know. And I'm like, i have like, I paid really close attention this time. I'm like, where is that water cutting off? It's like mid calf. Yeah. And he's underwater completely. I'm like, n- nowhere where they walk does it get deeper. And so, where There's
1: did some he? Some potholes get, in there. He just they just yeah. Happen. Where did
2: yeah, he yeah, get was dragged just like one to? One little like yeah. dip in the middle. It's actually. I will uh, say. They did such a good job making that water disgusting. Even as a kid, I was, like, I was, like, so grossed out by the water in there and the look of the tentacle. I like... I'll always love how gross they were comfortable making things in the old Star Wars movies. Like, they would just make things look disgusting. Like, like, Jabba, uh, the Rancor, you know? Like, they've just, like, were completely comfortable making things look gross, and I always... I I, I appreciate that.
1: And and that, to me, is, like, part of the aesthetic and like part of it, it, like feeds into like this fantasy world. That's supposed to be like, um, you know, the golden era is over. We're in this like weird, like lost era where like, we have a lot of technology, but we don't understand how a lot of it works. And like, there's this weird feudal system. It, It like really fits like the type of world that you're supposed to be like, um, like entering that these people are from it it like fits that like almost dystopian type of of world
2: where like things used to be nice and now they're not right Um, none of the tech is clean other than the empire's tech yeah
1: everything Um, else is dirty and i i I like to imagine that the um whatever it's called Jim. go
2: ahead (laughs) dianoga
1: yeah, I like to imagine that it was Vader's pet, and and Tarkin was like, "You're not bringing that thing on here," and, and Vader, <laughs> and Vader pouted, and he was like, "Fine, but you're keeping Vader." I put trash. up with a
2: lot from you,
1: <laughs> but it's but staying in the trash compactor.
2: <laughs> That's what he was always doing in Tarkin's office. He was like. Come on, let my tentacle monster hang out in like my room where they have the thing that lowers the helmet onto me that doesn't exist yet, but I'm assuming it's probably also the in egg. here too.
0: The egg. The egg, yeah. Um. So the, the one thing that uh, didn't get brought up that is one of my favorite parts now, um, and I know Connor enjoys this as well, is I didn't know this for decades, and I was reading one of those articles about, goofs in the movies and they're like yeah when the stormtroopers enter (laughs) the the bay one of them hits his head and i'm like I never noticed this. That's that's super weird. So I watched it again and sure enough and like mostly everybody knows about this. I I for some reason I never noticed. Stormtrooper walks, slams his head right into the, the door and but keeps on going. Like they one how many cuts pro. of this movie did they make and they ended up keeping that one. <laughs> and I know. um two they just keep rolling with it and it, I, it is absolutely hysterical that they do this and they even added a sound effect because you they added like a thunk when he does it and so great. not only do they roll with it they double down on it absolutely favorite um, and that's
1: star wars though movie. right like the goofiness yeah. is definitely part of the charm
2: yeah i agree like i i never noticed this before but when they were like, when they'd say to Luke, like, aren't you a little short for a stormtrooper? I never noticed that the armor is legitimately huge on him. It is noticeably too big for him. And I also never noticed his weird body language when they're waiting for the elevator. He's like rocking back and forth, like trying to seem inconspicuous. I, 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 I like that because I feel like in a lot of other movies, in order to make the star not look goofy, they'd get armor that fits him even if the actor that he steals it from is not the same size i like that they legitimately put him in stormtrooper armor that's too big for him which yeah. which i respect
1: i love that and i always crack up during the um grappling hook scene i think that scene is so funny <laughs> uh just so much of it is so illogical but it doesn't matter because it's like part of the adventure and oh. like the music's fun but like
0: so much why of is it... there a giant Vacant tube with no floor where the only way to get across is you have to push a button. Like, what is the point of this area? And, like, the door <laughs> is like,
1: the door comes up this much, and the stormtrooper's like, man, it sucks that we can't shoot until the door's fully open, huh? Yeah, <laughs> we can't bend over in these suits. Yeah, and the- then you
0: get the stormtroopers shooting from like three levels up and on the other side, like, where did you guys even come from? Like how I did know. you find us here? Oh,
1: I I love that scene every but time. But it's great like,
2: cuz them swinging across is such like an old-timey Hollywood. Yeah. Role, it's, and it's it's great. Da, 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 da. Yeah.
0: And 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 you tie that with Harrison Ford's um Bravado yelling at the top of his lungs chasing the stormtroopers oh, yeah. down the hallway and it, it, the special editions actually made that part really a lot better. Where instead of running into like three stormtroopers, he runs into like an entire platoon yeah. of stormtroopers. Um, and then he's like, Oh, this is not good, and uh, barrels out the other way. Like,
2: I like that he took that. one out on the way out, though. <laughs> yeah, it's he gets just one like, more shot. Oh, okay,
1: I got one. I'm out of here. <laughs> All right, I think that's uh. A goofy point is a proper place to stop <laughs> yeah. for a Star Wars discussion. So that's going to do it, guys. We're going to get out of here. Alex, man, thanks so much for hanging out. That was a yeah, blast. this
2: was fun. This was fun. I like yes. hearing about this Star Wars thing people are so into, finally. Finally get my um, head around it.
0: Well, this is the first one, so it's just a Star
2: War. Oh, my God. Wait, are there more of these?
0: Yeah, they, when you watch all of them, then, it, then it's the Star Wars. This is just the, the first
2: one. Are all of them good? I'm sure there's no, like, varying opinions on all of them, right? They're all this good, right? Um, I, feel like I, just turned, I feel like I just turned into that meme with Padme and uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they're all this good, right?
1: The fans all like them, right?
2: Yeah, <laughs> they're not right? Um Alex,
1: before we get out of here, do you want to tell folks a little bit about your uh, podcast and where they can listen and where they can find you?
2: Um, yeah, um, AIPT movies. It's, it's me and my buddies, uh, Tim and Matt, and we talk about movies and, um, we make, I mean, we talk about movies like for the most part, but it's mainly us just making really dumb jokes for the majority of it. Um, you can find it everywhere. You can find podcasts. As far as I know, Apple, um, Amazon, I, I we're on Amazon, I don't know who actually uses Amazon podcasts, but we're on So Spotify. I'm glad you don't
0: actually know where podcasts are found. You can find them wherever you found this one. Exactly.
2: I literally don't know where any of them are. I have right. no idea. I'm hoping for the best that people know where podcasts are, because I don't.
1: All right, you heard him, where podcasts are found. <laughs> you can find all of us on AIPTcomics.com. Uh, In addition to these podcasts, there's several others about comics and wrestling, if you like that sort of thing. And there's plenty of articles about everything we just talked about, gaming, TV, pretty much if it's pop culture or nerdy related, we have something on it. Um, You can find us on Twitter at Talking Tauntauns. uh, And if you have a question, feedback for us, an episode, topic you'd like us to cover, shoot us an email, TalkingTauntauns at AIPTComics.com. That is going to do it. We're going to get out of here, and we'll see you next time.